Good morning or early afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. I have a very disturbing, and I say disturbing because I gave this team the benefit of the doubt and was disappointed in the response, but a very disturbing coverage for a token that's a, I, I wouldn't call it an underdog token, but it kind of fits, so I'm going to call it an underdog token as it is. But I don't have significant amounts of time, so I'm going to kind of crash course through things slowly and steadily. And I want to cover some other things that are happening in the world of cryptocurrency at large. And hopefully you heard yesterday's podcast episode with the DYOR token and the team. And if you didn't, I suggest you go back and listen to it because if you are an investor or considering to be one, there's information there that I believe is of direct relevance to you. And so I suggest you go listen to it so that you are informed about things that are important um, as an investor or potential investor. And then I want to cover EarnHub just a little bit real quick. So if you are an EarnHub investor, you know that the project is mostly stabilized. However, I want to make sure you're clear. They're still stabilizing some of the code for the interface for the dApp. So there's a lot of bugs. And so if you're getting weird behaviors, it's not because it's a scam. It's not a scam. There's It's just very buggy and they're still working on various fixes. So you might have times when you're not able to do a trade. You might have times where you have to pay more gas to restake. And it feels like they kind of launch premature, but these are, they're communicating with people and they have been sending some messages on Twitter, but predominantly the messaging has been on places like Reddit and uh, Telegram. So they are still actively working on some things. So you might see some weird, strange behavior and it's because they are in the process continually trying to work on getting things sorted to where the the app is more stable. It just hasn't happened as of yet. If you're a safe moon uh, investor, you should be aware that they are continuing the process for the V2. It's out, but they're still doing more work to it and the wallet. And one thing that they found, and I mentioned this before, that they apparently didn't think about people continuing to buy the V1. And so one of the things they're trying to do is to change the V1's tax rate for the contract. So when I say tax, think slippage, right? They're going to bump that up to try to discourage, first discourage people buying into it. But second, if there are people that are doing so, then any of that money would go towards liquidity is I'm assuming to support the V2 token to help stabilize the future value. This is an assumption. I've not spoken with them. So if you are a safe moon investor, again, it does not behoove you to invest in the V1 token. And I'm pretty sure based on my experience, the way you would delineate the two is the Original safe moon, I believe, is the P safe moon when you see the name, the call sign, and the new one is SFM. I'm pretty sure that's the case. However, do your own research and verify yourself. This is again, if you are an investor considering investing in safe moon, make sure that you dig deep and understand exactly what's going on with that one. Don't just get caught in alerts because I wouldn't want you losing any money. They're not scamming you, but as with EarnHub, they're having some challenges and the developers are actively working on it. So they are trying to fix some of these issues, get things back to normal. It's going to take some time um, before we see strong stability out of that project. And then on the Satama side, I want to just briefly mention uh, Satama's Certic Audit has not wrapped up as of yet. So it doesn't look like they're going to be able to make Christmas as far as I can tell anyway, unless I completely missed an update, but I've been watching it and other updates um, to see, okay, what's kind of the transactions um, however, there's a lot of, there are a lot of people that have went in 
and kind of toyed around and they saw various things that they didn't like, like uh, grammar errors and spelling errors. And I want to remind that it is a beta product, so we can tolerate at least some term of errors and issues. And so hopefully there is a uh, an intent after release or before, ideally, to clean some of that up and get it production ready, especially because there's there's been mentions about what's going on to what's happening. So just be aware that while the app's still out there, I don't recommend you download it yet and just wait for them to give an official update from the audit results and what's going to happen. And at some point, I'm sure that they will come out and say, yes, we will. We're ready for release on this date. The audit's done or will be on this date and so that you'll get to trade into that. Now, it has not directly affected the price moving in a negative direction. It seems like there's a kind of a consolidation that occurred, and so it's kind of stabilized to some degree. Um, so I wouldn't trade it as like FUD or freak out or any of that kind of stuff. I think it's still on track. I think it's still in a good spot. Just be aware that, you know, again, it's still not completed the audit, and unfortunately it looks like it's not going to make the Christmas holiday as expected. In other news, Bitcoin is slightly trending back upward. It has hit back to the $50,000 mark. And if you recall, it peaked just shy of $70,000. So it's still got a ways to go. But I want to call out why this is good news. Bitcoin has traditionally kind of given us an indicator because it has been, for unintentionally, it has been kind of correlated with the regular market, the regular sentiment of the market. And so when we see price moves of Bitcoin, it kind of helps us predict the price moves of other tokens and projects. So if we see that there's more movement upward from Bitcoin, it portends well for the rest of the crypto community because it means that there's more money coming in the system. Number one, it means that people are opening up wallets even during Christmas and perhaps Christmas spending is kind of past them. Or it could be that people are kind of just stocking money away. We want to embrace this. We want to welcome it. And I'm, I implore you to keep an eye on Bitcoin's price. Not even, not even if you don't buy it. You know, if you buy it, cool. But even if you don't, just be aware of the price movements, if nothing else, to make sure that you are in the loop as to that price movement because it almost always correlates to the price movement of other tokens, whether that is lockstep increase like Bitcoin or it is inverse, meaning that the token that you're looking at is going to go down because Bitcoin goes up. We see that as well, especially with many of the altcoins. There are more altcoins that are inverted from Bitcoin than are lockstep with Bitcoin. So if I look at Satama as an example, Satama appears to be following a pattern that is trying to climb similar to Bitcoin's climb roughly around the same. So it's a correlated, it's a lockstep type growth. This means that we should be able to watch the, the two, and it means that Satama is, as I suspected, bullish leading into Q1. And unfortunately, due to preventable issues and other things, just had a stumble like many other ones. And the bear season, though, is still affecting other tokens, but not nearly as much. We're starting to see more green. That's always a good thing uh, across the board, especially during Christmas holidays. Now, I say that, but if you were to look at something like SHIB, SHIB is also trending upward, but it still hasn't gotten back to the original all-time high. So although it's trending upward, it could be that people are generally buying back in, but we still don't have anywhere near that base that was kind of our measure of success, which was the original. When I say original, I'm talking months ago, all-time high that was there, not the 
you know, illogical spike that happened like a month or two ago. I'm talking the original all-time high of 3.8. We haven't even got back to that yet. We're on the way to. But because we're so far under it at this point now, it means that we have a lot of work to do on the ship side before we create a new resistance so that it doesn't bottom out again like it has done. The same applies to Satama. That's why I'm calling out those two because the price movements are similar, but we're still seeing that there are challenges with the bottom resistance on both, and that might mean I still think they're both bullish leading into Q1 2022, but as I said before, I'm a bit hesitant on March because of the student loan payments. So the announcement from the Biden administration about extending the payments might be one of the many symptoms of why we're seeing green movement, but because it's March, it might just be delaying the inevitable. We just don't know. Keep an eye on it on your side. And Brief mentioned about Ryoshi Vision. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Ryoshi Vision is best known for offering rewards to anybody who stakes their SHIB on ShibaSwap. They issue rewards based on all the moving activity, prices, you know, buys and sells. And previously they had some issues with the distribution of the rewards and the timing of the distribution. And I completely ignored it for like two months just because I saw it was slow. It wasn't worth doing it. The price wasn't really going anywhere. Ryoshi spiked sometime, I want to say three months ago, it started spiking really hard and got to really a good resistance. Ryoshi Vision right now. And just to clarify, there's Ryoshi Token and there's Ryoshi Vision. Both of them are Shiva Swap, but I'm referring to Ryoshi Vision specifically. So when you look at CoinMarketCap or CoinGecko, make sure the one you're looking at is Ryoshi Vision. It has a red ninja-looking cat dude as its icon, but it's Ryoshi Vision. They have the same call sign, so it tends to be confusing. But Ryoshi Token is a legitimate token, also on Shiva Swap, and it's easy to confuse the two. The one I'm specifically calling out is Ryoshi Vision. And Ryoshi Vision, as of right now, looks like it's got six zeros going, so it's right around, it's just shy of where Satama is. But the, the interesting thing on this is that Ryoshi Vision had a significant head start in getting more holders to it than what Saitama did, and Satama was able to pretty much catch up to it pretty quick because prior to the failed Vegas event, Satama was able to get down to six zeros ever so briefly before it started dropping back to older resistance. So Ryoshi Vision is still one of those that has significant value as a long-term investment. And if you stake your SHIB, that means you can get access to it at no charge and you don't have to stake a large number of them. You just stake as much as makes sense to you, whether that's $5, $10 worth like mine. I think the 10 there is worth like $8 or something. But I was able to get enough Ryoshi when I went back recently and woofed it because Ethereum gas fees are down. I was able to get almost $230 million Ryoshi out of there total aggregated and that's worth about $60 right now well that that required no investment of me that required no money from me that was simply just time so in terms of price movement now I believe as far as my portfolio I'm more of a, a stronger fan in staking to get rewards as opposed to worrying about the price movement of the token this means that the Satama you know process for the Cytomask and everything burning Satama and creating utility and other tokens that are offering Satama's rewards. This new way of doing things excites me, and I encourage you to consider that as well. Whether passive rewards or passive income sources with crypto is really the best way to go, as opposed to worrying about the price movements of individual tokens, because many of them are no longer doing the you know quintillion or quadrillion tokens that would make you rich overnight. Now, let's cover our underdog quote-unquote token, and... 
I want to caveat a couple things here up front. This token was brought to my attention by way of a finding from what's called Rug Seekers. And I covered, we briefly talked about Rug Seekers in yesterday's episode with the DYOR token with striking. And I've always watched Rug Seekers and just was very intrigued at the, the use case and what they were trying to do. And so this token was brought to my attention by way of that conduit. Now, I've decided to put something to the test here for you guys. Because what I wanted to do was to, number one, see if I could leverage what Rug Seekers found in order to test the community aspect of this token and any others. So rather than focus on the tokenomics heavily, which I'll talk about, but I'm not going to focus on them heavily, I decided instead I would use this information just like you would if you were kind of somewhat of a journalist, use the information and challenge the devs and see how they respond and then test the community. Because I've seen also that not only strong community, but strong dev support of the community tends to lend itself to a strong project where you have overly defensive devs that don't want the smoke tends to lean more towards the scam side. So I looked at the project. This project is called, and I'm giving its name not for you to invest it in it because I don't recommend it, but if you want to investigate it, please do. Because if you see different things than I see and you want to share that, please do. Um, but the token name is Metabull Run, M-E-T-A-B-U-L-L Run. And it's a Binance token chain, um, Binance token on the Binance chain. I looked at the mechanics. The mechanics are solid for this guy. Um, it's got a decent reflection mechanic. It's got a decent burn, but it's not a transactional burn. It is a apparently a liquidity pool burn, which has become more common to prevent rug pull of the liquidity. Now, the difference here is that when you have a liquidity rug pull risk that you're trying to avert, it doesn't mean that you can't tank the token because there's all sorts of human factors that play in that have nothing to do with the liquidity. So it's possible that them saying we're locking the liquidity is an attempt to convince people to that they're not a scam, a.k.a. a Trojan horse situation. But let me go deeper into it. This was actually audited. And they linked to the document for the audit. They are on GitHub. Um, but the, 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 rear, the weird thing about this the GitHub belongs to the audit firm, not to the token. So the audit firm is Interfi. Interfi is one I had not heard of prior. They apparently applied for a CERTIC audit, has not completed. The Interfi did not call out anything of a significant risk that I could see, and but they did have a lot of things that they call what they call vulnerabilities, and they do a great job of classifying their risk severity levels. Remember, I called out that. Certic calling something major when I don't think it's major was something I had an issue with. But they here they go into detail, does interfy about what do our categories mean? What does this mean to you? And ultimately, as I read their document, basically everything that's not a low should be fixed. Okay, just to summarize from an auditor, ex-auditor's perspective, that's how I interpret their categories. Everything that is not low really should be fixed for one reason or another. It should be fixed. So I read through the Interfi audit report, and they pretty much gave it a clean bill of health. Nothing was above a low. Everything was a past, and then they had a bunch of things they called out as concerns, uh, things that they wanted to see potentially addressed, but they didn't call them high or major things. Um, things like the antibot, they called that out as something they covered, but they didn't call it a major thing. The buy the sell, they didn't 
call that as a major thing. Max transaction, they didn't call that a major thing. So I'm saying that I have a very, I'm concerned about the Interfi result because it almost looks like they pretty much gave them a benefit of the doubt in why they have these things in there as opposed to the fact that they're there. And when you look at the, you know, the functions and everything else, they give copies of, of the methods in the code and pretty much everything is modifiable. It's like this could, to me, as I look at it myself, it's a huge risk. And so I want to contrast that with the CERTIC audit in fairness because I want to understand why Interfi did not find these to be serious issues around this token. Um, and they, they call out things like keep an eye on this, but to me, that's they're huge things. I might be singular in that assumption, but I want to see the CERTIC audit to contrast and compare to be all fair. But that it didn't bother me to see the low because, again, I wanted to look at it from a different lens. I'm an investor at the end of the day, so I want to look at it in the lens of somebody who's potentially putting money into something. And these are concerns that I would share but I also understand what Rug Seekers is saying, so I want to look at what they're saying and compare it against an audit firm who pretty much disagrees with Rug Seekers and try to understand why. Again, this is not to criticize any of these entities, but as an investor, this is what you should do. This is the process you should go through. Don't just blindly take anything that any one of us, any entity, any token, any firm says on just straight face. You've got to contrast and compare and then ultimately... It comes down to what you tolerate for your own wallet. This is why I'm talking through this process because this is the road process you should take to understand how projects are built and how they work and the different assessments and different views of different projects and then come to your own assessment because at the end of the day, one thing that comes into play with, with projects that has happened time and time again, I talked about it with striking, you could have a project where everything is actually solid as a token, this, the code, the tokenomics, but humans get in the way, and then humans tank a project that otherwise is solid. That's how Keanu is now, where there's nothing really wrong. It's just that humans get in the way, egos get in the way, and I covered ego on that episode. You know how that goes, and that can hurt a token. So you don't want to see that the ego is allowed to get in the way. The converse of this is when you renounce ownership completely, you lose the ability to really fix or do anything about the existing project, and it also limits your ability to support migrations and other things you might need to do. So it's a catch-22. Don't fall into the hype of it has to do this, has to do this, has to do this, which many do. At the same time, you want to be really critical about analyzing results from different sources and then come to your own conclusion based on your level of risk, which might mean either you don't invest at all or that you invest but to a small degree. That's why for certain ones that I look at, I might toss like a dollar or $2 or something at it and just watch it and then if it's stable, then I'll toss a little bit more. Yes, that means I might miss out on tens of thousands of dollars, but it also means I minimize my risk. And that's the approach I have personally chosen. You'll need to choose an approach that works best for you. So the audit came back clean, and I'm like, okay. They also have a KYC that they did. This was also done with Interfi. Now, I have a concern with the same group doing the KYC that did the audit simply because separation of duty is a thing. Normally, you're going to be KYC by a different org. It's not a big, major crash deal, but it's something I call out where I ideally would like to see that it's a different org that does KYC just to make sure that there's no implicit bias that could have occurred during the KYC process of 
man, your project's so clean, we're going to clear you, do, 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 or something like that. I don't want to see that. I'm not saying that happened. I'm saying I don't want to see it. Now, when I looked at Roadmap, everything looked clean. When I see their, you know, obviously they're active on Telegram. I talked to them directly, actually, and here's where the, talking to them is where the concerns came in. So there's two things that stand out about this project that for me as an investor, I would never give these dudes any money. Number one, how you do your community. And when I say how, I'm saying how you interact with people in the community, how you respond to questions, how you take feedback, how you respond to anything as a dev team to me is indicative of the way you perceive your investors, whether you treat them as your boss, as some reputable ones do, or you just treat them as another number and it's kind of like, shut up, go away, because it's FUD, which people might ask fair questions. And if you're asking a fair question and you're asking it because you're trying to confirm what you've heard, what you should do as a mature project is respond in kind and say, here's our response to what you saw. you the answer is yes, what you saw is true. However, here's why that's the case. And then ultimately it's up to you to decide whether or not that's an acceptable answer or not. It's not to get them to change. Ideally, you'd want them to change, but it's their project. They're going to have run it how they choose. I'm saying that if they just bite your head off and call you a fudder or block you or mute you, I've talked about this before. If your first instinct is to assume somebody's attacking you when all they do is ask a question, that's not a healthy community that you are promoting. And thus, it makes you look sketchy, even if it's not your intent. Santa Coin had the same problem. That dev told one of the whales to go ahead and just sell off the whole bags. That's not how you treat your community. That particular person apparently was offended because of an AMA, because that person was judged because of their race. I understand the judgment, but you got to have a tough skin. You can't treat, can't act like that. You can't be childish about it. Just take, the, take it on the chin and show you want to smoke and be willing to answer the question, as long as it's a fair question. And true, guess what? Everything's a fair question when you are holding people's money. I'll say that till I'm blue in the face. So I reached out and I asked the question, is this true, is this true, is this true? And the response I got was essentially accusing me of being a fudder when I said, is this true, is this true, is this true? And I reiterated four times, I believe, I want to be fair and I wanna be unbiased, that's why I'm asking the question. Their job is to answer my questions because guess what? If I'm an investor, I'm their boss. This is no different than a stock-held company. Your stockholders are entitled to challenge you on stuff to make sure you get a straight answer. And guess what? Your job is to answer those questions straight up, even if you know they're not going to like the answer. And even if you know it might impact the bottom line of the other investors, you shouldn't have made that that accident in the first place. So here's where that, I don't even, the answers they gave, I understand. And here's what my summation is about that. Before I go there, I want to talk about the white paper because it'll wrap up why I had the finding I did. Because I was willing to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. In the white paper, first of all, it's a joke of a white paper because it doesn't tell you hardly anything other than just a really fluffy, hey, this is what we're doing kind of thing and more image than text. We got this, you know, we're going to do this and here's how we're going to do it and And then there's a very minimum amount of spelling and grammar and formatting checks done. I can clearly tell that, but there's not, there's nothing that tells me why this token should be a thing other than a rah-rah of this is what we did. And 
Listen, if you have a token whose sole purpose in life is to make people rich, to me that should be in your white paper as the first two or three, and you should really have two or three pages. Like if I look at this, it's an image with like maximum 12 words per page. This is a waste of space and a waste of margin and a waste of imagery. It's designed to visually appeal to people, not to actually inform people. As I said, the white paper is to inform. It reads more like a light paper than a white paper, and that is a concern because I would be curious, where's your white paper, the technical details that involve what you are doing and how you're going to do them? That is not here, and I consider that a concern. Anybody can slap something like this together. You could hire somebody at a high school to do something like this as I read it. But then, I again, I kept going, and then it gets to the very last page where there's a legal disclaimer, quote-unquote, and I want to stress something to you. Anybody can write up a legal disclaimer and put it anywhere they want. It doesn't mean jack, okay? They can say whatever. It doesn't mean jack. It's not enforceable because if it's ultimately illegal, it's not enforceable regardless of what they say to be true. I want to put that out there. So I read, I read their disclaimer, and it's also at the bottom of the page, the same paragraph. And I want to make sure you are clear why I said what I just said. Quote, if you have purchased the token... You agree that you are not purchasing a security or investment. That's a lie. You are purchasing an investment because you are investing in something that has no tangible and thus, by definition, is an investment because you expect a return of some sort. This is a generic definition of investment. That's exactly what it is. They can't tell you it's not an investment. And them trying to tell you it's not an investment is them trying to obfuscate the fact that they might take your money and be okay with it. No, if they try to do that, it's wrong and they could be held legally liable because by definition it is an investment. Now what it's not is it's not a portion of ownership in any organization because there's no company. That would be true, but you can't say it's not an investment. That's not, that's not true. It doesn't make any sense to even say that. And it would have to be a security if there is anything backing it. That means that there's any sort of fiat equivalent value that can be attributed to it, which there is by way of the liquidity pools, that then gets into the realm of securities trading. And there's a kind of fine line where if you went to a court of law, they're probably going to fine for you. So I would ignore that statement. I'm being honest in my opinion. I would ignore that statement. Quote, the team cannot be held liable for any losses or taxes you may incur. Here's the problem with that statement. Number one, it's a lie because if the loss is due to fraudulent means or those that violate the laws within the, the country of origin that you are from, then yes, they can be held liable. They don't give a damn what they have to say about it. Yes, you can be held liable because you broke the law in causing those losses. We see that all the time. You cannot just say, hey, it's out of our hands. No, it's in your hands if you broke the law. And by calling it not an investment, you already broke the law. So, yes, if it went to a court of law, these guys get nailed. The KYC hopefully would help if it's legit. I just said I hope there's a different org to make sure it's legit. But that's, yeah. And then last, do conduct your own due diligence and consult your financial advisor before making an investment decision is standard boilerplate text. But it doesn't negate the other two sentences that are in direct violation of laws in most advanced countries. You cannot tell somebody that they're not investing money when that's exactly what they're doing, number one. Number two, you cannot tell them 
what they are or are not liable for. That's governed by the laws in your country and in your province or state. And those trump what this dude, is, whoever wrote this, is saying. So I want to summarize for you. Whatever you're liable for, there is, there's an unregulated situation with crypto in general. However, there are certain fundamental understandings inherent to how people interact with you and your money when there is fiat equivalency in play. I said before that currency, crypto currency, does not have value until you transact it. When you are giving them, whether it's BNB in this case or it's USD Tether or whatever, to do this, you have given them a fiat equivalent currency in order to transact. The moment that happened, they took custody of your funds. They have just now enabled you to invest, quote unquote, into their product. As such, they are now held liable if they were to try to cheat you or break the law and cause you to lose your money. You could go after them. What they can't, what you wouldn't be able to do is you wouldn't be able to directly go to them and say, you lost me $1,000 because the token failed because, you know, there, somebody got sick on the team and the token failed. That's not a, that's generally not acceptable. But if it goes down because one of the devs sells out their wallet and it completely tanks down to zero, you absolutely can go after them because that's an insider type situation that isn't generally against the law in most countries. So be aware of what of your rights in your country, because I'm not going to speak just for U.S. Just be aware of your rights. Don't think crypto. Think investment, think money, think fiat equivalency, and then take whatever appropriate actions to protect yourself and insulate from this kind of thing. But the fact that they wrote it in there tells me I would not recommend to invest in this one because that they're writing that kind of stuff. They're trying to absolve risks that they can't, which to me is a red flag, personally speaking. So in summary, with Meta Bull Run, it's got quite a few followers. It's got quite a bit of popularity. It's got quite a bit behind it in terms of what they appear to have done for due diligence purposes. Because of this, this phony disclaimer that they wrote in the way they wrote it, and because of the white paper that really isn't a white paper, and because of the way that the devs respond, which is very defensive for regular questions, it is not one that is open to getting the smoke. They don't strike me as openly willing to embrace when they're being criticized. I'm not going to recommend them to you. I want you to research yourself. And if it makes sense to you, then please. But I would not recommend doing it because of those things until they are addressed. Like I would give them a chance. Let's see how the Certic audit goes. But I would tell them you need to fix your freaking white paper. But they don't want to hear from me or anybody else. I covered my white paper rubric. None of that's covered here. But to me, I have no confidence in the project because they chose not to get that information. But more importantly, they chose to put verbiage in there that basically says we can rip you off and you can't do jack about it. That offends me as an investor. But also, when I ask questions openly, they're very defensive and they leap to the you're attacking us doo, 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 instead of, you know what, we appreciate you putting that out there. Here's our official response. And yes, we got some work to do. One of them briefly mentioned, yeah, we got some work to do on one thing. And then another one chimed in and said, why are you mentioning other tokens? Doo, doo, doo. And I said... I'm giving you examples of other tokens that have made this mistake so you can go and reference yourself, make sure I'm not making stuff up for you. But they're so defensive, they didn't, they didn't read what I said to properly absorb, he's trying to help us. He's trying to show us that this has failed and we should not do it because it's failed before. You're so arrogant that you're not even listening to the message I'm saying and you're taking it as an attack when I'm trying to show you 
this is bad. You got to fix it. So it's their project. I can't change their mind, but I'm not going to recommend them to anybody who listens to my show. If you choose to do it, all on you, because I want you to do your own research and make your own decisions. I'm simply saying I would not recommend investing in it, or if you do, minimize how much you do to minimize your investment. Of course, never invest more than you can afford to lose. I don't know. Maybe it turns out fine and they just have crappy code. I don't know. I'm just saying I would not recommend it. And either they're in over their head or it's a scam from my angle. So that's what I got. I'm going to go back into this uh, deal that I got to do. It's very nonsense. a waste of time, but I got to go in it. But I got enough updates, I think, today. I'm satisfied with. Hopefully that's been helpful. Uh, do share. If you do have others that could benefit from crypto knowledge and information, do share with your friends and family. Remember, we're on every major platform now, so it doesn't really matter what they prefer, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Google, Audible, iHeartRadio. I think we're on Pandora finally. Stitcher, I believe now. Geosaving for the ones in India. So we're all over. So f- feel free to share. Just give them the name um, from your podcast, and they should be able to find it. Um, or Leister Life is an alternate name. And if you're not sure, just point them to the Twitter, at Leisteridge, and we can get them there to the link to get people subscribed. The more subscribers, the more I can get this out to you. Take care.